Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to Sports Day for Nutrient Ag Solutions. Going further for Australian farmers, find your local branch at Nutrient.com.au. Coons, you may not have heard of our next guest, but as you are about to find out, He's got a pretty cool job. I reckon he's got one of the coolest jobs in Australia, if not the world. He works for Braves Cricket, which is an organisation that owns several franchise teams from Zimbabwe to Abu Dhabi and even Sri Lanka as well. I'm sure it's going to expand further in the years to come. His name is Justin Graham. He's from Melbourne and he joins us now. Juzzy, welcome to Sports Day. G'day, Tom. Thanks for having me, mate. All right, Juzzy. Give us a, a broad paintbrush of what your job entails on a, on a weekly or monthly basis. Where have you been this year? Uh, yeah, look, this year's been um, pretty mind-blowing in terms of the amount of travel I've done. Um, uh, if I go sort of back to the start of the year, um, you know, Braves Cricket um, had just uh, formed. Um, and from there, we went on a, um, you know, a couple, uh, I guess, reconnaissance missions. Uh, you know, we went around uh, Scotland, the Netherlands, um, and a little bit into England. Um, from there, um, also over to Antigua for a little uh, look at their local cricket scene and um, some uh, competitions that they're running there um, to return home uh, and then head out to Zimbabwe for a T10 tournament uh, with T10 Global. Um, we were called the Bulawayo Braves when we were in Zimbabwe. <laughs> Um, and then recently just got home from 10 weeks um, in the UAE um, with the Chennai Braves um, where we competed in the Abu Dhabi T10, uh, which just finished uh, a couple of days ago. Sounds pretty stressful, Justin. Uh, you're getting your <laughs> frequent flyer points up, no doubt. Uh, explain to me the whole uh, franchise of the Braves. Who, who owns it? What is it all about? Uh, yeah, look, there's um, there's a, quite a few that, that own it. Um, it's a business uh, out of Dubai. Um, I guess my connection came about through uh, mutual friends who, you know, uh, introduced me to uh, a guy called Dougie Brown. Uh, Dougie was an ex-English uh, cricketer who also represented Scotland and uh, Namibia. I believe he tells me this anyway. He's the only cricketer ever to represent three countries um, <laughs> and and from there uh, you know we formed um, a bit of a friendship um, you know when we headed out overseas you know earlier in the year um, and sort of from there you know he was uh, then offered me um, a full-time role with um, with Braves Cricket to come on as uh, his assistant coach which um, has yeah been a very busy year but very uh, very fulfilling. 
How many players cross over? I mean, assuming you're crossing over various leagues and franchise tournaments, but how many players cross over and are essentially employed by the Braves as you are? Uh, look, at the moment, uh, we're, you know, we're three tournaments um, deep into our experience. Over, I guess if you were to fast forward 12 months, uh, now there'd be, you know, we're looking to add a lot more tournaments um, and franchises to the list. But right now, we've probably had, um, you know, across each tournament, we've had three or four that have been continuous over each tournament. Um, and as we're going forward, you know, look, if we can get around about half our squad um, that has continued from the previous tournament or at some other stage has just joined, um, you know, into the Braves family, then it just, um, you know, helps to create that that culture, the ongoing sort of culture that we're looking to do and play a certain way, um, you know, and, and, you know, trying to get that continuity um, to a lot easier than what um, it is if we're just bringing in 15 new players for uh, for every tournament. So to entice those players over, you, you want them to play in, in all of your um, tournaments around the world with, in the Braves franchise, then how, how do you look at trying to do that? How do you, how do you try and entice a player? Say if you're an Australian player who plays in the BBL and the, the IPL and you want to contract them for, to purely play for the Braves, how does that work? How do you try and do it? Yeah, look, it, it, it more comes about from um, you know, each tournament uh, has a draft um, process, um, but pre-draft you are able to retain um, certain players, and you get first, I guess, first dibs on those players if they've played in your franchise um, before. Um, so we will look sort of at each tournament um, and the conditions that we're going to be facing, and try to select, um, you know, six players that we know will play really well in those conditions. Um, have played really well with us before and probably the most important, they want to play with us again. So um, from that draft, um, even if we don't retain them, um, because obviously you can't retain, you know, every player, um, we will try to, I guess, formulate the draft so we can can take them within the draft and um, we still end up with the squad we want. So the Braves are doing this. How many other organisations or companies are doing the same thing, Juzzy? Yeah, look, um, just after sort of talking to, you know, a few people at the recent Abu Dhabi tournament, um, it looks like um, it's starting to happen more and more. Obviously, you're seeing it a lot with, um, you know, with the IPL teams at that higher level, um, you know, with them going into, you know, the South Australian, uh, South Australian, the South African um, T20 tournament um, and also into the IL T20 in is in Dubai in January. Um, there's a really big IPL influence there. Um, but I guess on that lower level at the moment with, um, you know, with companies or franchises that are trying to establish themselves, like Braves Cricket, um, there's probably around about another two or three that have started to look and explore, um, you know, that continuity over franchise tournaments going forward, which I can only imagine, you know, as I said, fast forward 12 months that it's going to be even more um, because there's going to be so much more cricket getting played. So it's worth their while. Who are some of the best players that you've coached and worked with for the franchise so far? Um, Oh, look, there's a, there's a massive standout for me and uh, I don't know if he's overly known in Australia, which um, makes me laugh, but um, Zimbabwean player and captain Sikander Raza. 
um, <laughs> would, pr- would would probably not probably is is the best player, and especially at the short format, um, the T10 and the T20 uh, format for him. I've never come across a guy that is so fearless and so confident um, with his own ability to clear the pickets. He um, he is so much fun to watch. Um, he's a very good fielder, and on top of that, you know, he's a mystery spinner. You know, comes in and bowls, the leggies, the offies, quick balls, slower balls, mixes it all up, and um, he he is just an unbelievably good player. Um, and when you look at the big bash, you know, right now, um, you know, and not discrediting any players that are in it from overseas, of course, they're absolute guns, mm. but it just blows my mind that uh, you know that Raza hasn't popped up somewhere on a BBL list. So he, is he one of your full-time guys? How many tournaments does he play uh, for the Braves each year? Yeah, look, he'll, he'll get there um, as much as he can. He loves, he loves the Braves and, um, you know, he'll always make himself available if he can. Um, he still is playing white ball cricket for Zimbabwe and I believe he's around about an hour away from starting a 50-over uh, a match versus Ireland uh, at Harare. Um, as we speak, um, but he's now played. One, um, he's played in four tournaments, so I, I think it is now. Um, and he always, you know, the last tournament Abu Dhabi, he could only play three games. So he was in Zimbabwe, he played T20s, got on a plane, flew over, played three games, flew back and played for Zimbabwe that uh, that <laughs> night. So, you know, his, his commitment to the franchise is second to none, and you know, he just loves it. For those BBL list managers who are listening, and they all do, Juzzy, trust me on that. What's his name again? Sikander Raza. Sikander Raza. All right. Just watch that name, yeah. Coons. We might have a new favourite next year for the BBL 14 or maybe <laughs> after Christmas this year. Um, so Chennai Braves, Bulawayo Braves, Port City Braves. That's Sri Lanka, Zimbabwe and Abu Dhabi. Which tournament have you found the most enjoyable and the most rewarding to be a part of? Um, look, uh, Abu Dhabi one is is, uh, is very fun because um, look, you're in the UAE and everything in the UAE is uh, you know it's glitz and glamour and uh, it's very shiny and brand new. But um, yeah, my recent recent trip to Zimbabwe was um, was just it was really special. The uh, the crowd involvement um, was really good fun. They get there from the start. You know, there's three games every day. They get there from uh, ball one of game one and they sing and dance and engage um, for the whole game, uh, for the whole night. And it just creates a, a beautiful atmosphere of um, really good fun with, with some amazing cricket played in between. So uh, Zimbabwe would be a definite highlight of this year. So how do you get the players to fully commit and give everything? Because I mean, it's it could be seen as and and the T Twenty is a little bit like this when you when players who, who go and do the circuit. We've seen the Big Bash where some uh, teams form only a week before the actual tournament starts. So how do you get the players to actually buy in and give everything they can to the Braves while they're there? Yeah, look, it's a great question, and it's one that um, you know myself and and Dougie. Um, you know, and the other coaches really grapple with, you know, from tournament to tournament. Um, first and foremost, it probably starts at the draft and doing our um, our homework on players. Um, you know, you want to make sure you're getting, um, you know, a good human being into your group who's not just, uh, you know, not just a good cricketer who, 
you know, on this circuit, it can get a little bit diluted that perhaps they're just there to, you know, to put their hand out and take some easy money. So, you know, we need to make sure we're getting a good person. Um, and once we have them in, you know, you try your best as a you know group of coaches and leaders to, you know, form a, a really safe, um, fun atmosphere within the group where, you know, all players feel like they can really be themselves, um, have a good time, enjoy each other's company, you know, off the field. Um, and then when it comes to, to game day, you know, just helping to facilitate everything they need to go out, you know, and put their, um, you know, their professional pride on the line um, and show the world what they're, what they're capable of every time they go to the middle. So it sounds like you're heavily involved in the recruiting process as well. So how much cricket are you watching to try and scout these players mm-hmm. worldwide? <laughs> yeah, look, if you ask my uh, my lovely wife, I'm watching way too much. <laughs> um, oh, so she's still with you? <laughs> no, Kim's, Kim's great coons, and I can imagine that she'd be saying, can we change the channel just occasionally, please, Juzzy? <laughs> yeah, look, Kim uh, is one of the great cricket widows. Um, <laughs> she, 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 she watches a lot, or I guess... Probably not watches a lot, but puts up with a lot of uh, cricket on the TV uh, and me watching back games, you know, from all over the world. So, yeah, whenever she comes home, there'll be some sort of uh, game going on the TV, which is normally met with a bit of a moan, which is a sign for me to turn it off and, uh, you know, put on, you know, a great show like The Bachelors or, uh, you know, Love Island or <laughs> all listen like to- that. So, yeah. Or listen to SEN, of course, Jazzy. I can imagine that. Um, any Aussies that you've tried to get over? Any Australians that have played for any of the Braves um, teams around the world? Yeah, look, it's um, it, it's sometimes hard with the timing of it. You know, Abu Dhabi, you know, is obviously around about the time now of um, the BBL starting. Um, however, this year across other teams, you know, there are some, some Aussies. You know, Ben Cutting was still there. Chris Lynn was at the start of the tournament. Um, last year, we unearthed uh, a guy that you may have heard of who's doing pretty well down in Hobart now, and that's Paddy Dooley. Um, Paddy, at that time, had played, um, I think, as a replacement player during the COVID um, yeah. T20 time, the Big Bash time. And, you know, he came over with us and opened the bowling throughout our whole tournament and absolutely killed it. From there, went on, you know, the following year and had a really, really good BBL and, you know, now signed down in Hobart and the rest is history there with him. Um, so he's a ripper. Over in um, Zimbabwe, we had um, Ben McDermott um, and Bo Webster, uh, who was with us, and also Victorian uh, Jack Presswich. So um, when we can, we try to get a bit of an Aussie influence. Um, you know, obviously, I want to try and get some in there. Uh, so I've got some decent blokes to talk to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, the rest of them aren't. <laughs> oh, look, you just get bored of them a little bit. No, nah, I'm only joking. <laughs> They're ripper blokes as well. But, you know, there's always that common thread when you've been away from home and you can uh, sit down over a beer and talk about some Aussie rules footy. It certainly uh, helps to break it up a little bit. So I'm fascinated with the financial situation of a cricketer that can do the tour or the circuit and play in these T10 and also T20 tournaments. So one of your one of your boys, if they sign particularly for a, a season of cricket, how much could they probably make? Uh, yeah, look, if they were to play, I guess, you know, without giving too much away, you know, of guys' personal incomes, um, you know, if they're to play across three tournaments, um, you know, they can make... As a, as a roundabout, the very, very minimum will probably get around about 
forty thousand US across three, but the you know the usual will probably be somewhere yeah you know, more around the longs of yeah one hundred and twenty thousand US, um, you know for for around about three tournaments, um, and then you know if they were to go elsewhere yeah you know, I'm not sure what the T20 leagues but um, you know they could probably make that again pretty easily so you know it's starting to I guess become a real enticing um, thing for you know young players that uh, that are out there that you know they may have missed a little bit of a boat say at first class level but you know there, there is now a bit of a future starting to show its head that um, they can go out and you know whilst they're able and young enough they can earn some decent money to be able to um, you know set them up set themselves up for um, you know the rest of their lives which um, I think is is just fantastic. Yeah, that's right. We had Pete Hatoglu on last week and we talked to him about his time traveling the ro- the world and he's been in Abu Dhabi and now he's doing it tough. And now he's down playing for the Hobart Hurricanes. Um, Jazz, the, one, one of the things that interests me most about the T10 leagues, and I haven't watched a lot of T10 cricket, is that uh, it seems to me like it's attracting even slightly different players to T20 cricket. Can you tell us the main discrepancies between the two and the best players that perform in the shortest formats, which, which is 10 overs a side? Uh, yeah, look, when it comes to, I guess, the bowling aspect of it is, um, I guess, is a little bit of unpredictability. Um, you know, with every tournament now, you every every uh, franchise will have an analyst. Um, and these analysts have looked at every single player, you know, throughout their whole careers, not just in a short span. It'll be, you know, every little thing that they do. So you've got to be able to have that... Um, one, that unpredictability with the ball. Um, and then when you are asked to bowl that unpredictable way, you've, you've got to go and be able to execute your skill um, and do it, you know, 12 times, um, which, which we're, you know, is pretty hard. But the guys that can go and do it, you know, where they're hitting it 10 times out of 12, they're going to get some really good results. Um, when it comes to the batters, um, look, it's guys that don't, need to, I guess, um, you know, turn the strike over, um, you know, run those ones and twos really hard to get themselves into an innings. It's the ones that can pin the ears back from ball one. If they see it and they like it, they can deposit it over the fence. Um, you know, <laughs> and if they can keep doing it, um, you know, the sky's the limit for it. And, you know, I think you're starting to see a bit of an influence of, um, you know, a very big West Indian contingent starting to come through that's really, really good at... Um, T10 game, that's um, based on a lot of confidence. You know, they, they go out and they know that if it's in their zone, they're going to muscle it over the fence more times than not. And if they don't, they shrug it off and they go again the next time. So, yeah, it's um, a very, very much a confidence um, game when it comes to the bat um, and then highly skilled, I guess, when it comes to the ball. So do you factor that into when coaching the players? Are you coaching the mental side of things? Because, I mean, you get away to a, a rough start, three or four deliveries, and you're on the back foot already, given how limited the the game is. So how do you how do you prepare them for that? Yeah, look, and that's going to happen at times. And I guess it's, um, you know, being prepared that it's not going to come off every single time. But whatever's happened before... You know, you hope it doesn't dictate what's going to happen next. So, um, you know, you've got to coach them to, you know, continue to be fearless because as soon as they go away from backing themselves and they're just looking to get off strike, um, you know, that's probably where 
they're letting, I guess, the team down a little bit um, that they're not looking for a boundary. So, um, you know, there's no... If you lose, you know, and you'll see this quite a bit at times, and it happened to the Braves in the recent tournament, that, you know, you might be 6 for, six for 30, mm. um, but there's no time to rebuild. You've just got to keep going because if you're not hitting that around about that 100 to 120, fair chance you're going to lose. So we try to coach in, you know, that fearless factor, um, you know, with all our players to just keep backing their skill, no matter what the sort of game situation is and whether three or four balls have not gone their way. Coons, it sounds like your sort of cricket, I reckon. <laughs> just just bash and crash. I love it. <laughs> hey, um, Juz, the one, one of the other things that interested me about this cricket is the fielding restrictions and the, and the new ball um, because you know, ordinarily in a one-day, certainly of a generation ago, but... Um, more broadly in, in test cricket as well. You wouldn't see a bowl, a spin bowler bowling in the first 10 overs. But the ball's new now for the entire innings, which probably favours the batting team, doesn't it? And and what are the fielding restrictions? Yep, so you've got a power play for the first um, two overs where you're only allowed two outside the circle. And, and what do you want to be getting um, off the first two overs? Is it, is it sort of 40 plus? Is that sort of number? Oh, geez, geez Moz. If you're getting 40 plus, then uh, you can lick your lips. You're yep. probably going to have a really good day. Um to be honest, we didn't generally put too many numbers um, on what we wanted, um, apart from, you know, get out there and, and just try and get a positive start because, you know, hit the ball as hard as you can. And if you're getting picking up boundaries, you know, then it's great because uh, with the two out, you know, anything can sort of happen. So back your skill and see where it flies. And hopefully you do get some good numbers. What was the initial question? I just forgot my initial. No, one. my initial sorry, my initial question was around um, spin bowlers and their and their oh yeah their use because yeah. it was initially it's thought that T Twenty yeah. cricket wouldn't have spin, but it's become so important. So I imagine it's crucial in T Ten as well. Yeah. So if you have a look at the players that are doing really well, um, so if you look at yeah Pete Hatzcoglu, um, you know Paddy Dooley did really well for us. Uh, West Indian sort of Akil Hussain, um, Sunil Narayan. You know these guys are doing really well because they have the ability to uh, move the ball in the air more so than, than off the pitch. Um, so they, they're almost becoming slow, medium paces to a point um, and just bowling the different angles, and, you know, with, with real subtle variations, which is making it, um, you know, as you said, that, that ball is new, so it's doing plenty in the air and, you know, trying to, um, you know, get, get the batters off their balance to uh, hit it up in the air. Does the format have a future in Australia? Or is the, are we just too jam-packed in terms of scheduling that, that there's no time for the uh, shorter than T20 format mm-hmm. in Australia? Um, oh, Coons, I'd love to think that there is. Um, there's always time, but, um, you know, whether it can be you know something that's going to be televised or whether it just starts um, you know, at, a, at a different level and... You know, and we sort of have a bit of a look at it that way and see the interest. But, you know, for me, you know, I absolutely love the short form of the game. I love T20. And then, you know, after, over the last 12 months, um, going into the T10 tournaments, they are just so much fun. You know, there's guys walking out the bat, absolutely looking to blitz it. And bowlers, you know, have to be right on their skill. It is just... Um, such an impactful game, and I think the fans um, would really like it, and especially new fans. I think we've seen, you know, it's new fans getting to T20. Um, so we shorten that again. Um, I think it could really take off. But whether it can get into a schedule, who knows? 
So we see in T20 cricket that the um, strike rates are the best players, you know, the best players in the world. I'm just looking at Glenn Maxwell's here. So his strike rate is 152. What's a good strike rate of one of the best T10 players in the world? Uh, you, pr- you probably, you know, add another add another 50 onto that. Uh, Tom. 200. So if you're looking, yeah, if you can if you can go at 200, you're going to be, you know, absolutely killing it. So if you look at the last tournament, you know, Tom uh, Kohler Cadmore, um, English guy, Nicholas Poran, you know, these guys when they're going, um, you know, are scoring, you know. They're almost going at 300, if I'm being honest. If they're really on, they're really going hard. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, as I said, it's fun to watch. Sounds like uh, stick cricket, actually. And, and just quickly, we've got about 30 <laughs> seconds. What, what about a, a good economy rate? If you go it under, what, nines or tens? Oh, yeah, look, if you're oh, probably under, if you're under nine, under eight, like that, yeah, you're, you're going to be absolutely <laughs> elite. And they're, they, you know, the team owners are going to absolutely love you and come hard for you, Justin. I reckon your cricket would have suited this sort of uh, this sort of franchise. Unfortunately, you're probably about 15 years too old, so it doesn't work for you. But it does work for you as an assistant coach, and we really do appreciate your time and look forward to you dominating on the T10 T10 scene for many years to come. Adam, Tom, been a pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys.